The What's It All About show with your host, Al Roberts. Let's get ready to rumble. How's everyone doing? Welcome to episode three of the What's It All About MMA podcast, Al Roberts. Yeah, this is sort of like um, simply sort of like almost like a little bonus show this week. Yeah, um, first of all, I want to say thanks again to Martin Gordon for coming on last week. Um, yeah, I had a really, really good talk with him, really good show, really enjoyed that. Um, I've got this Sunday, I'm pre-recording another show, another friend of mine called Ashley Wintersim. Uh, we were talking about a handful of subjects, mainly reviewing Saturday's fight night. I'm going to recap that, go over that. I'm going to throw a few more subjects in there at him and see what he thinks. So yeah, um, welcome to the show. It's going to be uh, just a smaller show today, because obviously I am on my own. So there's just a couple of little things we're going to talk about. Uh, we're going to talk about sort of break. It's sort of rumour, rumour slash breaking news to do with Amanda Nunes, who's the uh, UFC bantamweight and featherweight female champion. Uh, there's no arguing about it. She is the greatest female fighter of all time has announced that she's contemplating retirement at the moment. Uh, so we're going to talk a little bit about that. Uh, we're going to, I'm going to preview the fight night that's coming up on Saturday, which is full of fan-friendly fights. And there's been a handful this week. Well, not even this week. The last couple of days, the UFC have just announced a load of new fights that are coming, sort of July, August. There's some absolute corkers coming out there, so we're going to talk a bit about that. And just a quick reminder, really... Um, yeah, we are literally on a load of platforms at the minute for however you want to listen to the show. We're on, obviously, we're on JMA Radio. I'm on Anchor, Anchor FM, uh, Pocket Cast, Breaker Audio, Radio Public, and obviously Spotify. Uh, we will be on iTunes pretty soon. Just waiting for confirmation of that. Uh, so, yeah, uh, however you want to listen, you've got plenty of options out there. Also check us out, I've got a Facebook page as well, uh, the What's It All About MMA Talk Show, go on there, like the page, uh, it just basically gives an update of when shows are coming out, what's going to be on the shows, guests that are coming on, just your typical sort of um, keeping, up, keeping you up to date, giving you the info that you need for the show. So let's get into it, um, Amanda Nunes, uh, questionable story today, it was questionable, it's a bit, uh, a bit of a grey area, but, you know, I think it's interesting to bring it up. Um, like I was saying earlier, Amanda Nunes, easily the greatest female fighter of all time in MMA. Like, hands down, no one's, I, I doubt anyone will ever break the record just that she's set in the last couple of years. But she has mentioned that she's maybe contemplating retirement. Um, I've actually covered this previously, where I, I, I'm, I fully said that, 
What has she got left to prove? Who's she got left to beat? Who's not? No disrespect to the other female fighters in both divisions, but who's who's really there to give her a challenge? You know what I mean? It's it's a real strange one though to that she is. Con- I understand the point of contemplating retirement. Retiring on top is something that I think every fighter aspires to do. But I think it's it's. I think I quoted last week where there's not many fairy tale endings in this sport. There's not many people that do go out on top at the peak of the game. Um, Amanda Nunes, she's only 32. Um, she's got an absolute abundance of notable wins. Like she's beat every female champ, everyone who's every female who's held the champion at 135 and 145. She has beat and convincingly beat as well. It's not just been you know scraped through. And for that matter, she's beat Valentina Shevchenko, who's the 125, now 125 champion, who's looking as dominant as anyone. But yeah, a notable wins, uh, Jermaine Durandamere, twice, Valentina Shevchenko, twice, Misha Tate, Sarah McMahon, Raquel Pennington, and obviously Chris Cyborg, Holly Holm, and her absolute dismantling, a destruction of Ronda Rousey. So yeah, uh, who she really got left in these divisions to really face anymore? I'd I'd be good. I'm not gonna lie. If she retired, I'd be a bit good. I'm a massive fan of Amanda Nunes. I've enjoyed watching her fight for years, and I think she can do a lot more in the sport. It's just whether or not she feels like the challenges are really there for her. So yeah, it's an interesting subject, really. But I mean, if she retires, she leaves two divisions wide open for anyone to go in there and. And you know, get themselves get themselves out there and get that title. There's a there's a handful of girls in each division. Don't get me wrong, who who would be ample champions there, but they've got some big shoes to be stepping into if she retires and they step into those those championship shoes. Like there's, I don't know, I don't I, like I was saying earlier. I don't see anyone going and breaking the record she has, or really setting a mark like she has. The struggle the UFC are going to have mainly though is with the featherweight division. If she does retire, let's put it this way: if you go to the UFC website and you go to rankings, there are no featherweight rankings. There's just Amanda Nunes with the championship. That's it. Uh, she's obviously just beat uh, Felicia Spencer, who's you know capped as being a real threat in that division. And then there's uh, Megan Anderson. Who's a, who's a great fighter, who actually has a loss to Felicia Spencer. But these are really pretty much the only two girls that are knocking about in that division that are really worth talking about at the minute. If you look at Bantamweight, there's a lot of good talent there. There actually is. Um, you've still got a lot of sort of big names knocking about. Jermaine Durandamere, absolutely great fighter. Great striker. Uh, Holly Holmes still doing the rounds. She's still in there. Um, you've got a young girl called Aspen Ladd who looks like a real future talent in that division. She's going to be a real handful. Juliana Pena. She's a girl who I, I actually backed quite a few years ago to maybe take a good run at the title. She actually took some time off to have a, have a baby. So, you know, she's just sort of gradually making a comeback now. Um, Irene Aldana, who's actually fighting Holly Holm in the next few weeks, 
Um, she's she's looking incredible. She looks a she looks a real force in that division at the minute. Um, she just knocked out number seven in the rankings, uh, Ketlin Vera, who's another girl who I thought would really really make a go for that title. And obviously she's uh she's just been announced she's fighting again. Um, obviously Raquel Pennington's still in there, who's just a just a little bulldog. I don't don't get me wrong, Raquel Pennington. I don't think she's got the real real skill set to make a make a go and get champion, but she's still in there. It's an interesting fight. But yeah, that, that division is it is quite stacked with good talent. It really is. Like there's plenty of people who can step step up and get that title. But going back to Featherweight, that's a division they need to do some serious work on. They need to go and find some talent. Uh, they did a season the Open Fighter a few years ago where they brought in a lot of 145-pound girls. I follow the sport pretty religiously, and off the top of my head, I can't think of any of them that have really made an impact. I really can't. It's just, it is what it is. That's that's just that's just going off what I think. But, yeah, um, to round it up, I just, I hope Amanda Nunes doesn't retire. I hope she stays in for a bit longer. But it comes back to a previous point that uh, me and Martin were talking about in the last episode. Uh, where we hinted on conversations about retirement with Daniel Cormier. If you're thinking about retirement, a lot of fighters, as soon as they start contemplating it, they've already got one foot out the door, and that's when the career does dip. I'm not saying every time, but a lot of the time it does. So, yeah. It would... If she stays around has a few more fights, I, I hope she does. I hope she sort of makes more, even a bigger impact than she already has. But I hope she isn't seriously contemplating retirement and having a couple more fights because I don't want to see a career take a bump from that or a legacy for that matter. She's one of the greatest MMA fighters to ever live. Hands down. Like, men or women, she is up there with the greatest of all time. She's an absolute force. And I thoroughly enjoy watching her fight and I don't want to see her go. So um, I'm curious to see how that plays out. I really am, but I'm hoping it's just sort of general conversation and rumour at the minute and well put simply I hope it's not true I hope that she's uh, seriously contemplating staying in the spot so yeah so, yeah moving on uh, next subject we'll talk about is this uh, fight night that's coming up on Saturday night it's a it's a real fan friendly fight night I mean I think I've sort of had a little little whinge recently about how the UFC cards themselves, big numbered cards, have been unreal. We've been spoiled. We have been. I've said this numerous times on the show. But this this fight night this weekend is so fan-friendly. There's so many fun fights. Um, not a lot of real impacting fights to, to a lot of the divisions, but there's some real great fights coming up. Let's take a look at the uh, main event, which is an awesome fight. Uh, two big heavyweights, uh, Curtis Blades, Alexander Volkov. It, it's, yeah, it's an exciting fight. It's uh, The biggest problem with the heavyweight division, in my opinion, is it is a bit lacklustre. The, they were far, do, far too dependent on a lot of older, older guys to keep that division going, and there wasn't a lot of fresh talent coming up for quite a long time, and it did get really stagnant. But uh, there's a lot of there's a lot of guys coming up in that division at the minute that are looking fairly decent. They are looking 
like the talent pool starting to starting to get a lot lot better. Uh, Curtis Blades, for example, what's he nine and two, nine and two in the UFC? Um, in in his last eleven fights, uh, currently on a three fight win streak, and his only two losses in the UFC is to a man that a lot of you guys will know called Francis Ngannou, who is an unbelievably <laughs> unbelievable knockout artist. The guy has got touch of death from everywhere. He he's just an absolute dominant force in that division. I don't think anyone really wants to go out the way to fight that guy in that division. He's an absolute specimen. He's I can't describe any better how scary that guy is. But Curtis Blades, his two losses are both by by knockout to that man. But besides from that, he's run through most people. He um, he's just recently coming off a win against former heavyweight champion Junior Dos Santos, who's one of my all-time favourites. Really looked good. Really showcased that he, he's worked a lot on his striking. He looked so much better stand-up against Dos Santos and finished Dos Santos, which is a hell of an achievement for anyone in that division. But uh, yeah, he's, he's a beast. He's also got a great finish over Alistair Overeem, who's one of the real gatekeepers of that division. One of the, one of the greatest heavyweights to ever do it, to be honest. But uh, yeah, smashed through uh, Alistair Overeem not, not too long ago, to be honest. So yeah, he's, he's a handful. I think he's been sort of like, for lack of a better term, one of the darker dark horses of that division. He's just been chipping away and he's he's looked incredible in a lot of his fights. He's really looked like a real contender. Volkov, he's 5-1 in the UFC. I believe he's our ex-Bellator heavyweight champion. Or he, he did definitely fight a lot, a lot in Bellator. Uh, he's... You know, 5-1 and one in the UFC. His only loss actually came to a guy called uh, Derek Lewis, who's a real fan favourite, in which uh, Derek Lewis was getting beaten on for three rounds. And then Lewis actually knocked out Volkov with 11 seconds to go in the third round. It, one of the craziest fights I've ever watched. Unbelievable fight. If you get time, go, go and watch that fight. Go and treat yourself to that fight. And also treat yourself to the uh, post-fight interview with Joe Rogan and Derek Lewis. It's absolute gold. But yeah, Volkov, Volkov's a handful. Like He's uh, got a really big notable win over Fabricio Verdum. Before Verdum got banned for uh, getting caught doing steroids. Yeah, he's a big, tall guy. He's like, what, 6'7", six, 6'8", six, maybe. Really tall, really great kickboxer. It's a real interesting fight. Like, it's... Previously, I would have said it's a real grappler-striker sort of matchup, but Blades is drastically improved. But I also think that if Blades can, you know, use his striking to mix those mix those takedowns up, and I think if he gets Volkov on the ground, he, he could really do some damage and take the fight. So I'm 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 gonna I'm gonna go out and say I think Blades takes that fight definitely. I definitely put money on that one. But uh, yeah, great fight. It's gonna be it's gonna be a real good fight that. Uh, the core core man is uh, a guy called Shane Burgess against a guy called Josh Emmett. Um, not to put myself out on the line, but I guarantee this will be a war. Like I guarantee this is going to be a firefight. It's going to be hell for leather, one for one, without a doubt. Uh, Josh Emmett is has looked incredible since he dropped from lightweight to featherweight. The only way I can describe him is just a juggernaut of a fighter. 
is this little stocky destroyer. Um, the guy has legit one-shot KO ability. Um, his examples of this, uh, his comeback knockout of Michael Johnson was one of my favourite knockouts of recent years. Um, basically spent spent two rounds getting just picked apart. Uh, third round just lands this absolute picture-perfect overhand right. Knocks out Johnson. Amazing, amazing knockout. And his absolute starching of Ricardo Lamas the other year was terrifying. Real heavy left hook took Lamas, just starch Lamas, like out cold. So yeah, he's um he's only lost really a featherweight was against uh, a guy that a lot of, lot of you'll know. Another one of the guys who I've followed for years, uh, Jeremy Stevens. Like don't get me wrong, he went he went shot for shot with Jeremy Stevens, which is never a good idea on any day. And Stevens knocked him out pretty badly. He actually put him out for quite some time out the spot. But uh, yeah, Emmett's a handful. He's Really legit wrestling. I believe he t- I believe he trains out of Team Alpha Male, but I might be wrong on that. Um, just off the top of my head, but he's he's a real handful in that division. He's yeah, he's a knockout artist with great wrestling. I mean, it's probably the most devastating style of fighter in MMA, in my opinion. Then we have got Shane Burgess. Uh, he's a guy who I've watched on and off for the last couple of years. Kept an eye on. He's he's real tough, like real real tough. In your face, walk right, walk right onto your sort of style fighter, man. Uh, first fight, I really took notice of him. He fought a guy called Kelvin Katara, who's now a real established serious threat at like 145. Uh, Katara's a beast, and Katara TKO'd him. Um, Burgess is like 6 and 1, but he's only lost to Katara. But, you know, his last performance against uh, Makwan Amekani was, was amazing. He completely broke the guy with pressure. Um, basically gassed him out, finished him with a, by TKO, but really put a beating on Amir Khani. Amir Khani's quite a, a legit guy, man, like, really good grappler. Um, so quite a, he's got a habit of throwing some flashy striking stuff around the place. He, Amir Khani's a decent threat, man, but, uh, yeah, Burgess ran through him without it. It looked a different different level to Amir Khani, so... Yeah, Burgess is one, one for me to watch. Both these guys are one to watch in the next couple of years. Probably the next year, either one of these from this win could really catapult themselves up that division and really do some damage. I think I think we'll see Qatar rematch Burgess at some point, without a doubt. Like them two boys are both big prospects coming up in that division, and yeah, we'll get we'll get a rematch out of them too. I think at some point. Another uh, great fight in the card is Raquel Pennant, who I mentioned earlier during my Amanda News conversation. Amanda Noon's conversation. She's fighting uh, Marion Renault. Like this is it's quite a it's quite a, a good clash of styles this. Uh, both are primarily strikers. Uh, Marion's more of a kickboxer. Raquel Pennington's got some great boxing. And both have sort of quite an underrated ground game as well. Uh, Raquel Pennington's got one of the one of my favourite submissions of all time against uh, Ashley Evan Smith where she uh, subbed it, put it to sleep at the very end of the fight with a bulldog choke, proper farm boy choke. Raquel Pennington's tough, man. Like, she just, she's uh, re- not long ago fought Amanda Nunes. Don't get me wrong, she got absolutely dismantled for quite, yeah, badly dismantled over those, I think it was about fourth or fifth round TKO. It was, uh, yeah, 
but she's tough, man. She can she can hang in there. And Marion Renault's a veteran, man. They're both both two older older fighters in the division. They've both done the rounds and been around for quite some time. So it's a it's a fun fight, man. It, I think it'll be good. I think they'll both go at each other. I think it'll be it'll be a good good scrap. It'll be back and forth with any luck. Um, after that, we've got uh, a guy who I really I really like watching this guy fight. Uh, Bilal, remember the name Mohammed. A uh, real gritty, gritty fighter. Like really gets in there against a guy called Lyman Good. Uh, Lyman Good, yeah, man, he's another guy who's they're both they're both pretty much knockout artists. They're both real heavy strikers. Um, I couldn't imagine it's going to go at the ground. Put it that way. I just can't see it. I think it's just going to be one for one. Real good war. This is what I'm saying about this card, though. Like every uh, all the fights on the main card this fight night. Uh, oh, I'm stoked about it i'm proper excited to watch a lot of these fights really excited for it um there's actually uh last fight on the main card is actually another guy who I, i'm a big big fan of and i've been for many years is uh jim miller against a new and up-and-comer called roosevelt roberts it's it, they're doing it at catchweight I'm, I, i'd have to look into i don't know the exact catchweight the fight now it'd probably be i presume they're probably going to be fighting about 160 or something like that. There, um, Jim Miller's a renowned lightweight, and I believe Roosevelt Roberts is. Roosevelt Roberts is just coming off a win over uh, oh, new guy who's just came in, Brock Weaver. Boom, there we go. Uh, he's coming off a, a win over him. Clean decision, no, clean submission win. Sorry, but uh, Jim Miller's a veteran man. Like Jim Miller has fought everyone at lightweight. Uh, at one point, he was on like a seven-fight win streak and sort of just kept out a title contention with it, which is a bit, it's a real shame, man. But um, he also, he got diagnosed with uh, Lyme's disease, I believe, which sort of really hindered his career for quite a long time. But in his last couple of fights, he's looked he's looked legit. He's looked like he's found a sort of new fire under him. It's really got him going. And I don't think you can count out Jim Miller in any fight. The guy's got... Sort of decent enough boxing, good boxer, awesome on the ground, great submission submission artist. But yeah, that that another that's that real crafty veteran versus new and upcomer man. I love those fights, I really do. Even the crafty veteran wins, that young guy learns a massive lesson and comes back even better. Uh, if the young guy wins, the new upcomer, it's almost like um, like a passing of the torch. And it shows the legitimacy of them being in the UFC. I love that. I think I think that's another great fight. I don't think you can go wrong with that. Um, headline in the prelims is super fan favourite. Everyone, everyone I know loves Clay Guida. You cannot dislike Clay Guida. It's like a crime against MMA not to like this guy and be a fan. He's another guy who's just fought everyone at lightweight. He's got so many notable wins over big names. Pez, Dos Anjos. Take your pick, man. Like, he's fought everyone. He's another guy who's had a real up-and-down career, man. Like He's he's went on streaks, lost one, won one, lost one, won one. Uh, again, he's going against a guy called Bobby Green, who I know has been out for quite a long time. Real, uh, real strange sort of... Uh, Sort of Philly shell counter counter boxing with Bobby Green. He's he's a real odd odd guy to watch watch fight man. But uh, yeah, that's an, another fight that 
it should, there's, there's no reason why that couldn't be an unreal fight. That should be just crazy. Just like two dogs running around each other, man. That should be amazing. Yeah, if you've not seen uh, Clay Guida's fight with Diego Sanchez from like 2007, please, dear God, just go. Go search for it. It's bound to be on YouTube. If you've got UFC Fight Pass, go on there, watch that fight. Watch it, take it in, enjoy it. That gives you the perfect definition of Clay Guida. But um, I'm not going to go off on one about Clay Guida. I think you've got the point. Massive fan. Love watching him fight. Yeah, proper proper cool guy, man. I really have a lot of time for watching his fights. Uh, up after that, we've got uh, Tisha Torres, who's a, a real mainstay at uh, the women's strawweight division. She's fought quite a lot of big names in there. She's, she's looked really good at some performances and just got outdone in another in others, I should say. Uh, she's fighting Brianna Van Buren. Like, not too sure about this this new girl. Like, I've not really seen a fight. So, but Tisha Torres is a mainstay in the division. So, yeah, as long as she's uh, she better bring her own game if she's uh, planning on doing anything in that fight. Tisha Torres is is a right little tornado when she gets going. Like, then we've got um, two newer guys, Mark Andre Barriolt against Oscar. Shorter. Oscar uh, Shorter. Uh, he's actually on a three fight losing streak in the UFC, man. So, yeah, this might, uh, well, not might, man. Like, it's rare when someone can lose three fights in the belt and not be cut already. So, he's got to get this win in, man. Or, yeah, it's back to the other leagues, to be honest, as, as brutal as that sounds. So, yeah, we'll see how that goes for him. Yeah, Barry Alt is actually in pretty much the same predicament that I know of as well. I, think, I believe he's on a three-fight losing streak as well. So this is uh, in the nicest way. This is a this is a real loser goes home, man. Like whoever loses this fight loses loses the career <laughs> career in the UFC for the time being. Like yeah, that's that's a real interesting fight to watch. Really, when you think about it, both these two guys are on three-fight losing streaks. In the UFC, the, the average rule in the UFC tends to be you lose three fights, you get cut. That's sort of how it's always been. Unless you're a legit big name or with some serious achievements in the sport, there's not many people who've survived the three-fight rule. There's not many at all, man. So, yeah, it's an interesting one. That That's probably a fight that I'm most interested in now. That's got some serious, uh, serious effects behind it. Yeah, moving on, we've got uh, Courtney Casey versus Gillian Robertson. Another fun fight, uh, women's flyweight. I believe Gillian Robertson just uh, lost to Macy Barber in her last fight. Courtney Casey's been like a mainstay in that division for quite a while. She looked really good in her last fight. Uh, came, out, came out with a submission, I believe. But uh, yeah, that, that's another fun fight. Like Both girls sort of trying to edge their way up in the division. Both sort of decent mainstays at that division as well. So, yeah, that would be a good one. Yeah, we've got uh, Matt Frivola versus Frank Camacho. Um, Frivola's looked pretty good in his last couple of fights, to be honest. Uh, I believe he trains out of Serra Longo with uh, Matt Serra. There's a lot of good guys coming out of that camp at the moment. But, uh, yeah, he's just coming off a win against a uh, really, really hyped guy called uh, Luis Pena, who's a real, real good guy who's real coming up. He's coming up quick. Like, he's, he's another... Guy who's going to really make some waves in the next couple of years. 
Uh, Frank Maschio, like, he's had a tough run of it, man. I'm not going to lie. He's had a real tough run of it. Like, you know what I mean? He's been thrown at some big, some pretty decent fighters in his last four fights. He's won, he's won in, yeah, one in, no, three and one, sorry, I apologise. Three and one in his last four. But he's fought Drew Dober, who's looked a man possessed in his last couple of fights. Fought Jeff Neal, who's arguably a guy who's going to take a serious run for the title in the next year at welterweight. Uh, Nick Hayne, won by TKO, but then lost against Darius in his last fight by Ray Naked Choke. The guy's tough as fuck, don't get me wrong, and he's got a legit jiu-jitsu game, Frank, but we'll see how it goes. I, th- I think that's a toss of the coin, that one, for me personally, that fight. But, uh, yeah... Someone who is uh, fighting on the card is, I always describe describe this girl as pretty much never judge a book's pay to cover. Um, Roxanne Mudafari, who's been around forever fighting women's MMA. Like, she has been around forever. She's a pioneer in the sport. And she's, she's like a master of upsets, man. Like, there's so many fights that, she's came into where I thought she was going to get wiped out and she's ended up winning them, man. Like, she's she's such a veteran. And she's fighting a girl called uh, Lauren Murphy, who's another, same again, another veteran. Um, both mainstays in the division. Modern Fairy with the right, the right run of wins could easily run for the title. Do I see her beating Shevchenko? No. But she's got that veterancy that will get her through fights. She's tough. She's got skills, and she just she's so underrated, man. Like I've got so much time for her. I honestly have, man. It's 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 crazy, like proper crazy, like. But uh, yeah, and uh, last fight, Austin Hubbard against Matt Max Roscoff. Uh, same again. I think I've seen Hubbard fight um, Roscoff. Not not genuinely not a clue. But the guy's five and zero. So he's got he's, he's skipped the UFC pretty quick. If you're in the UFC with five wins and zero losses, that's a quick a quick bypass right to the big leagues, to be honest. So, but yeah, overall, uh, great card coming up. Like I honestly, I'm really excited to watch it. Uh, I don't I don't even know where to start for the call and fight of the night. I think any fight on that main card could be potentially fight of the night. Also, a lot of potential for people getting knocked out and finished as well. So yeah, I'm really excited, really, really geared up for this. For a small, just a small fight night, it's unreal. It's unbelievably good. Um, Week after that as well, well, the event after that, I should say, event after that is another fight night where we're getting uh, Dustin Poirier versus Dan Hooker, which we previously discussed last episode with, uh, with Martin Gordon. It's can't wait for that card as well. I won't go into that too much. We'll save that for the next couple of weeks. But yeah, we are we are starting to get really spoiled again with some real strong, strong cards left, right, and centre. So yeah, man. yeah, we're getting spoiled again, which is absolutely quality. It's it's what we all need at the minute. Next subject I want to talk about is in the last sort of this last week or so, we've had so many great fight announcements. So many really fun fights, great fights. And a lot of them have got real uh, real implications to the divisions, which is it's probably where I'm most interested in fights. 
I like I follow a lot of the up and coming guys breaking into the divisions, but the big fights that really get me going are those top ten fights where it means something over those it's so meaningful to get those big wins, move up the division and potentially go for the title for guys and girls for that matter. But uh yeah man, like uh this week we had uh previously talking about sort of the women's divisions. We've actually got uh Ketlin Vieira and she's fighting Yana Kunitsk <laughs> If you're taking the piss out of me for not did not pronounce this name, you try it, but Kunitskaya. Um I think I believe they're both ranked about seven I think they're ranked seven and eight in the division. Um Vieira was one one girl that I'd I really I really backed quite a few quite a few fights ago really. She's been in the UFC for about four years, but she's looked really dominant in every fight. She's looked really good. Amazing jiu-jitsu, real grinding jiu-jitsu. Um, noble wins over Ashley Evans-Smith, Sarah McCann and Katsingano. Katsingano uh, has a TKO win, a finish over the previously mentioned today, Amanda Nunes, which is a massive feather in her cap. But Kaylin Vera was at uh, 10-0 up until she ran into Irene Aldana, a girl who I mentioned earlier, is one of my big picks to really go for a run at that title this year. Uh, Aldana Kaoda, so this is her comeback fight. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm excited. It's a really big fight, man. Like, it's really, really impacting to the division, especially with everything moving how it is. Uh, Jan is coming off a TKO loss to another girl I've mentioned previously, uh, Aspen Ladd, another real big prospect in that division. So, yeah, it's it's a real curious one, man. It's a real good fight. Both girls coming off losses, both ranked about bang on the same. Both, I really think, I really think are just trying to get back on the horse and get moving again in that division. Um, I think Vieira takes it. I'll say it now. Like, I don't, I don't like making too early pr- predictions, but, yeah, I think Vieira takes that fight pretty, pretty hands down, but... Yeah, Yana's not got a uh, poor grappling by any means. She actually fought Cyborg at one point at 45. I believe she's an ex-Invicta champion. And her game plan in that, that fight was grapple Cyborg, so it's not like she can't. It's not like she hasn't got a ground game. But, uh, yeah, I think Vieira comes back with uh, as a force after that, that KO loss. But, yeah, curious to see how that fight plays out. It should be a decent scrap. Another decent fight announced is that Chris Wyburn makes his return against uh, Omari Akhmedov. Uh, Chris Chris Wyburn's a it's a bit of a mad one, if I'm being honest. Like former middleweight champion, may I add that he uh, former dominant middleweight champion as well, real dominant champion. Uh, Two wins over Anderson Silva, a win over Lionel Machida, Belfort. Has fought a lot of mainstay, big names in that division. But yeah, ever since he lost the belt to Luke Rockhold, he's just yeah, he's just not looked the same guy. But on top of that, in his defence, he hasn't had the easiest run. He has he's had a hard work schedule schedule in the last couple of years, man. Like he's not had it easy at all. I don't think he's had an easy fighter. Like, I mean, like since he's since he's lost to Rockhold, he's five and one, and every loss has been a finish, which is it's fairly bad. Like to be honest, I mean, 
he lost the title to Rockhold by TKO. Took him out. It was a, such a competitive fight until he went for a wheel kick, got taken down, and basically proceeded to get the hell knocked out of him. Then he comes back, gets flying kneed by Yoel Romero, knocked out. Then has some strange controversial loss to Masasi where he claims it was an illegal knee. It wasn't. Another TKO there. Comes back, beats Calvin Gastelum by uh, submission. Uh, it was a uh, arm triangle in the later rounds of their fight. But even in that fight, he, he almost got knocked out at the start of the first. Uh, comes back again, fights Ronaldo Souza, Jacques Array. Has a great back and forth fight with him. Arguably winning that fight. Gets knocked out in the third round again. He then decides to go up to 205. Goes up to uh, light heavyweight. For some reason, someone thought it was a good idea to put him against uh, Dominic the Devastator Reyes. Who's just fought John Jones for the title. and Arguably won that fight, in my opinion. Beat John Jones. Uh, three rounds to two. But... He got vi- Weidman got viciously knocked out by Dominic Reyes. It's it's really mad. Like this guy at one point was set to be the next big thing at middleweight. He was meant to be the next guy to make a crazy run. And I'm not gonna lie, he looked he looked pretty unbeatable at one point. He he really did. Um, notable like he went on a run of where he beat Tom Lawler, Damian Meyer, Mark Munoz, Anderson Silva twice. Leo Machida, Vito Belfort. That's a hell of a run. Good few title defences mixed in there. Then, yeah, what can you say? But the, guy, the guy's career depleted massively. I think the worrying, the worrying thing for me is the fact that, you know what I mean, that's, like I was saying, he's, he's what, 5-1? and one? All five of those losses are finishes, whether TKO or KO. That's not good. That's not good at all. Uh, like it's it's not healthy at all. It's not good for him. But the worst thing is a lot of these fights he was doing all right in, and then just got clipped. Like he, he held his own against Romero until that flying knee. He looked really good. Uh, Musasi was a bit of a strange one with the knee. Uh, the Souza fight against Jacare. Same again. Was really re- winning that fight and then got really knocked out in the third round. The Reyes fight was an absolute steamroll in fairness. Like that was I don't know whose idea that was for him to fight him. To go up a division and fight a guy who's potentially the next big thing in that division, it's it's ballsy. It's so ballsy, don't get me wrong, but it was just such a bad shout. Such a bad shout, like. Um the guy's fighting with Mario Fedov is he's been a real real big mainstay in in the UFC since about two thousand thirteen or so. Uh, he's never really, he's never really like sort of broke into the big divisions. If you know what I mean, he's never really made his mark. I know he fought, he fought for a long time at uh, welterweight, but like I say, he never really made his mark in that division. Um, he ended up going up to middleweight not long ago, actually, only a couple of years ago, and even then, he's. He's, he's, he's winning decisions, don't get me wrong. He's he's, look, he's he's taking some stern decisions. But again, not looking amazing. This, in my opinion, if Chris Weidman turns up as the Chris Weidman of all, that we know how good he is, he should run through Ahmed Medov no problem. It should be a, it should be a steamroll. But 
what do you do with Chris Weidman if he loses this fight? I think, uh, especially if he gets knocked out, call it a day. Like, I mean, this is this is the second time I've talked about. I, I, I genuinely don't like talking about telling fighters to retire, but for the sake of sake of future brain injury in that in that sense, call it. I don't I don't know what what you do with him if he loses. I really don't. You know what I mean? One and he'd be what one and six, one and one and six in his last seven fights. It's not good. Like don't get us wrong. Even if hypothetically the UFC cut him. Bellator would, would bite him up, no problem. Of course they would. If he got cut, maybe go on to PFL, compete in one of their tournaments. There's options there for him, but it's just getting to that point where it's a bit suspect when you've been knocked out that many times on the belt. And it's worrying. And you've got to, you've got to sort of worry for the guy in a lot of ways. But uh, yeah, I'm interested. I'm curious. I'm, I'm invested in the fight. I'm curious to see what happens in that. Hopefully, um, I'd like to see Weidman get a win. I would. I'd like to. I'd like to see him uh, stay around in the UFC. I think he's a great fighter. I think he's he's had some really, for lack of a better term, really bad luck against opponents. But I also think that he's bit off a lot more than he can chew. And with the likes of Dominic Reyes, I think that was a, a real, real ballsy move to say the least. So another fight announced was Alexi Olnik. Versus a uh, guy I've mentioned earlier on this, uh, Derek Lewis. Another, another fun fight, man. Like, great fight. Another heavy, big heavyweight fight. Alexi Olnick's a, a crazy one. Uh, listen to this for a record. 59 wins, 13 losses, 1 draw. That's cra- that is a crazy record, man. Crazy record. He's a uh, 42-year-old. He's fought, he's been around for years, forever. He really has. But on his record, he's got uh, 59 wins, 46 submissions. His ground game, his ground game's unreal, to be fair. He's, uh, he's, he's nailed, he's caught people out with uh, it's what you call an Ezekiel choke. Uh, go and search it. Generally, I, I don't want to be sat here describing it. But he, uh, he basically... He lets his opponent mount him and then gets his equal choke. You have to see it to really understand what's going on with it. Go and search it. Go search um, Alexi Olnik, Ezekiel choke. You won't be disappointed. It's amazing. But, yeah, this is a guy who's fought for generations, man. Like, he's literally been been in this game forever. Um, I think he made his debut in 1996. Something crazy like that. So he's fought in what? 90s, noughties, 10s, and now going into the 2020s. That's insane. It's it proper break, it breaks my head a little bit. But um, yeah, yeah, 1996 he debuted in um when back in the day when they were still doing tournaments and stuff like that. Uh, he's fought in M1. Uh, I believe he's fought in Bulldog, places like that. Um, Bellator you know what I mean he's fought all over the shop uh, UFC obviously he's, uh, he's been in the UFC since about 2014 something like that and he's, he's got some he's got some stern wins man like some really solid wins uh, he's, he's uh, KO of Jared Rochelle was, was amazing 
He's um, he's beat the likes of uh, Travis Brown, uh, Mark Hunt. That's a submission win over Mark Hunt. Uh, and he's just coming off a win against um, ex heavyweight champion for BC over Doom. Yeah, he's he's a mainstay heavyweight. Do I think he'll go near the top and get a title shot? No, probably not. But he's one of them guys uh, on the right night. If you brought him in as a replacement for the title on the right night, who knows, man? Like he's got that. He's got a crazy enough skill set and decent enough grappling. And he's got legit knockout power. He, he, he could take it on the right night. Do I see him? Realistically, he's probably never going to get the title, especially at his age and such like. But he's a, he's a shoo-in for fight anyone. Like, it's crazy. Then you've got uh, Derek Lewis, massive fan favourite. Everyone loves Derek Lewis. Guys, so he does some of the best post-fight interviews after wins you'll ever see. Um, yeah. Real knockout fighter, tough as out, questionable cardio, I'd say. I'd say questionable cardio, but if he hits people, he tends to knock them out. He's also made quite a good career of getting pasted for two rounds and then coming back in the third and knocking people out out of nowhere. I mean, he's on, um, he's two and two in his last four, but let's just analyse that. Like, he lost to Daniel Cormier, got a title shot. Well-deserved title shot for that matter. Uh, lost by Ray Naked Choke. Fair enough. Then he lost to Junior Dos Santos, who's a former heavyweight champion. And then he came back and decisioned Ivanov and fought uh, Ilya Latifi, who came up from 205. That was a questionable decision through some people's eyes, but I was happy enough with it, personally. But, um, yeah, another fun fight. I'm not going to lie, though. If it goes to the ground... Um, it is it is literally that simple. If it goes to the ground, I think Olyanik submits him. I'm not saying with ease. Maybe I am. Yeah, I think if it goes to the ground, it's a clean submission win. Um, yeah, fun fight though. Like um, a lot of these fights all seem to be happening uh, in August. These seem to be like a lot of August announcements, which is great. Getting, uh, getting an idea of what that's going to look like for fights. and There's, there's a lot more fights rumoured, but I'll wait to confirm before I, before I give my take on it, really. But yeah, right, dead interesting. Yeah, the last fight announcement I want to discuss today is the announcement of uh, Uriah Hall versus uh, Yol Romero. Um, another fight that's uh, slated to go down in August, I believe. Um... Uriah Hall was meant to fight Jack Array, I believe, at UFC 250. Um, due to Jack Array, he's um, testing positive for COVID-19. The fight was cancelled, sadly. That would have been a great fight. I would, I would have thoroughly enjoyed it. It was one of my favourite fights on the card to watch, to be honest. But sadly, it didn't come together. It is what it is. So now we've got Uriah, Uriah Hall. Stepping in against Yor Romero in August. I'm happy with that fight. I think it's really interesting. I believe Hall's ranked about number 10 in the middleweight division. Romero's obviously been that staple at sort of number two for quite some time now. Um, I really like Uriah Hall. I have done since I watched him on The Ultimate Fighter many years ago, where he, was, uh, he competed on the season and fought in the finale. The guy, I say this time and time again, 
about Uriah Hall. He's an absolute underachiever in what he has done in done in the sport, in my my humble opinion, as always. He just watching him come through the Ultimate Fighter, he looked an unstoppable force. He looked his striking looked phenomenal. He looked like he had a real good understanding of groundwork, good wrestling defence as well. He honestly looked like he was gonna win that show and fire right in and potentially go for the title against Anderson Silva at the time. I mean, this is going back to uh, 2013 when he when he broke through on that show. But he looked incredible. He looked unreal. He looked like he, he was going to be the new the new big thing at middleweight. Um, uh, he sadly lost in the lost in the final against uh, Calvin Gaslam, which is no shame there. Looking on what Gaslam went and achieved in well. He's still achieving in his career. It was fair enough. Um, his debut after that, though, he lost to John Howard, who's um, a mate. Who was who's a mainstay in MMA. He's, uh, I believe he's he was fighting in uh, PFL not long ago. But John Howard's a legit striker, really heavy striker, good ground game. It, but John Howard was like a sacrificial lamb in that fight. John Howard came into that fight, and everyone thought Uriah Hall was going to starch him. And Howard decisioned him out. Split decision, but won the fight, no problem. He then actually, um, he pretty much uh, retired Chris Lieben. Um, took Lieben out pretty much in the first, I think it was the first round. I don't think uh, Lieben could answer the bell in the second. Uh, beat Thiago Santos, who is a legit 205er now, who fought for the title. Who is an incredible knockout artist. And just an all-round destroyer. Absolute beast of a man. He then TKO's Ron Stallings. He then loses a fight to Rafael Natal. Another guy he should have just run through without trying. Rafael Natal was not a high-level opponent in middleweight through his career. Great grappler. Real cocky. He, 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 he posed about a lot. And he played about a lot standing and got knocked out quite a few times due to it. Um... But yeah, should have run through him, no problem. Um, TKO Bangbozi. He then caused a massive upset against then basically a guy who was looking to go for the title then, uh, Gegard Masasi, who's a legend in MMA, who's still fighting now out in Bellator. He actually uh, flying need him. Well, he actually got him with a heel, a spinning back kick to the face, then flying need him. Massive upset. And everyone... Thought this is it. This is the Uriah Hall we've all been waiting for. This is the guy. This is who we had so much hope to be. Then he ran into Robert Whitaker, lost the decision, got quickly TKO'd by Derek Brunson. Rematch Masasi got knocked out again. Comes back, knocks out Jotko, then runs into Paulo Costa. This is an interesting one though because. He was he was doing really well against Paulo Costa. If you don't know, he's an absolute knockout machine who's potentially ready to fight for the middleweight title against Israel Adesanya. He was looking good. He looked like he was he was sharp. He was getting the better of Costa a lot of the time. Then Costa just unloaded on him, TKO'd him, slash knocked him out. Fair enough. But then comes back again, knocks out Bevon Lewis with a perfect knockout. Then he's just decisioned uh, Antonio Carlos Jr. He's got a real up and down career 
in the last sort of seven odd years. And although on that list there are some unreal fights, there are some unreal finishes, there are some really good performances. He's just never been able to put a streak together good enough to go for really propel him into that top of that division. There's a lot of times where he's went up against people who were better than him and he's performed beautifully, he's performed amazingly and really lived up to it. Yo Romero's a different beast though. Yo Romero is just a, genetically is just something else. Like if you've ever seen, if you know Yo Romero is and you've seen him, I don't think they make humans like that. Like he, the guy is just, he looks like someone designed a superhero character. That's the sort of, sort of build he's got and he, sort of how he carries himself. Like, don't get me wrong, your Romero's on a, a three-fight losing streak. Fair enough. But what you've got to analyse there is he lost a, lost a title fight to Robert Whitaker, which he arguably won. Um, he lost a decision to Paulo Costa, which you could argue again he won. Then he had a very disappointing, frustrating, lacklustre fight against Israel Adesanya. It's one of the, I'm not going to lie, it's one of the worst fights I've ever seen in my life. It, it was, watching it at the time, I really enjoyed it because first couple of rounds, you're like, anything could happen here. Oh, someone's, someone's going to do something crazy. Oh, and it, that, that went on for five rounds and it was disappointing. It, it was set to be one of those big fights that you got really hyped about. But yeah, it's an interesting fight to see how that plays out really is interesting does does that Uriah Hall that we all know is out there turn up or does your Romero just run through it that's the question it's I think Romero's wrestling is what comes into play but I also know Romero as good a wrestler as an Olympic club a wrestler he is he's got a bad habit of just standing with everyone because he knows he's got knockout power he knows he's got athleticism this might be one of those fights where get, let the wrestling take its place. Let it play out. For lack of a better term, wrestle fuck Uriah Hall. Because Uriah Hall is a flashy, competent striker. And on the right night, can probably knock out most people in that division with something. But, like I said, it's, it's a big jump up for Uriah Hall if he wins. Because Romero's ranked like number two in that division. Hall's ranked ten. You put a fight like that together, you get a win, then another win. You're in contention once you beat the top twos, the top threes in the division, without a doubt. You can't deny that. But I'd like, to, I'd like, to, I'd love to see Raya Hall hit his potential, but I think he's got some serious work cut out for him against Romero. Romero's just a beast, man. Like, I can't, I can't try and say any any way but that the guy's terrifying. He's a terrifying human. To look at the shape of him, the build of him, the athleticism for that size, that weight is second to none. It's terrifying, to say the least. But yeah, those are the uh, fights that got announced this week that I was really interested by. Really enjoyed it. Uh, but yeah, um, I think we'll call it there today. Uh, big thank you for listening, as always. Thanks for tuning in. Like I say, I'm uh, recording episode four on Sunday with my friend Ash Wintersim. I might have a second episode out next week if all goes to plan. Um, it, at the minute, it's just a matter of trying to get trying to get guests on board. Um, sort of the technicalities to sort of do some uh, record some sort of video calls and stuff like that with people. 
But uh, yeah, the Ash Winter Sim conversation will be happening on Sunday. Try and get one in midweek next week, get that pre-recorded, do some subjects. Uh, that's about it, really. But uh, yeah, thanks again for listening. Thanks again for all the support on social media. It's, it's really getting going at the minute. Um, and all the listens, getting far more listens than I ever thought I would, and I love it. I, I really appreciate everyone who tunes in, everyone who takes the time out of the day to listen to it. Um, our general broadcasting is jmaradio.co.uk. Monday night, 11pm, then we have two replays on Thursday, one at 1pm, if that's a bit better for you, and again at 11pm. That's your average sort of the main show each week is going to be played on those three. You can then obviously check us out on all the other platforms like Spotify, we're going to be on iTunes soon, our Pocket Cast. Yeah, um, go listen to it however you want, guys. Uh, really appreciate everyone listening to it, like I say. I uh, want to give a big, fa- a big shout out to... Um, all the Raji Rollers team in Carlisle as well. Uh, everyone's eager to get back to training. Uh, I genuinely can't wait to get back and get smashed and submitted by all of yous. Um, yeah, I hope you're all keeping okay. I hope you're all dealing with lockdown. And yeah, man, just hang on in there. It's not long till we get back to training. So yeah, looking forward to it. Uh, thanks again to JMA Radio for giving me the platform to do this. Love it. So uh, yeah, bye-bye. Take care.